We made this. Welcome to We Buy Records. I'm Paul Field and I'm joined as ever by the lovely Tim Scullion. Yes, it's me. Hi, Paul. Tim Scullion here reporting for duty. Uh, penultimate episode of the year. Yes. Christmas special next. Are you excited for the Christmas special? No. Have I, told you what, I haven't told you what we're doing in the Christmas special either yet. No. I'll tell you off air. Um, housekeeping, Tim, what have we got? Well, you've got a little bit of an Oxfam update. Regular S- listeners will remember that your local Oxfam in Bexhill did a a special push of records because they'd received a good collection of mostly 90s vinyl, which I told you about too late. Yes, I did get a few bits. You got a few bits, but there's a, we've got an addendum, haven't we? Yes. Well, do you want to start with the apology first for the hardcore and jungle? Uh, Another listener was most annoyed with you as, uh, again, not just me. Yes, I was told uh, a a friend of the show, regular listener, Jamie, uh, was in the bath listening and he had a sort of inverse eureka moment when uh, when he heard me saying on air about how there were these records in Oxfam and you were saying that there were these jungle and hardcore records and he's very into that genre and he, uh, you know, as soon as he had his clothes on, basically, he was round and asking me, why didn't I tell him? The point is, I didn't know there was jungle and hardcore in Oxfam on that day. I just knew there were 90s records and I thought they were mostly indie. So I'm sorry, but I also have nothing to apologise for. So I went back because they had on the wall, they had a Blur album. and they Modern had, Life is Rubbish, I It believe. was indeed, modern, original pressing. And they also had uh, Aphex Twin, Selected Ambient Works. Now, the particular store had done a little video um, proclaiming that this was the like, Holy Grail first pressing Aphex Twin. Well, the whole video led up to the reveal yeah. of, and we've got Selected Ambient Works. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... And they, I, a week went by and they were still up on the wall. And I thought, I spoke to um, Oxfam Vinyl, who's a volunteer, and said, look, is it appropriate to make an offer in a charity shop? He said, yeah, absolutely. I'd be delighted to get an offer. So I thought, OK, I'm going to go in. I've got Modern Life is Rubbish off the wall. I had a look. It, it was a bit grubby, but actually it was, in, it was in decent condition. Selected Ambient Works I brought down off the wall, turned it over, and straight away I saw in the top corner. Not the barcode. The barcode. So for listeners who don't know, what does that mean? It means that it's a repress. The original doesn't have a barcode. I think there's a second pressing that doesn't have a barcode. I scanned it in in front of the guy at the counter to say, look, this this isn't what you think it is. And what were they asking for it? £75. And what did Discog say that copy was actually worth? Oh, their copy? £15. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I I kind of told the guy and said, look, you, you know, you may want to do something about this because... You're, you're presenting it as something it's not and somebody could be you know absolutely gutted on Christmas Day and someone could spend a lot of money. So a week went by and I went back in and it was still there and it was still £75. Wait, a week went by after you'd pointed out that it isn't what they thought it was? Correct. So... See, I'm, I was on... 
basically I've made mistakes. I've made pricing and, and, and not many because I'm pretty good, but I've made the odd mistake about thinking that something was a first pressing when actually it was a second pressing. When somebody points it out to you, you jump on that and you sort it out. So I was completely on, on Oxfam's side until just now when you've pointed out that they let it sit there for a week at the same price when a customer had sh- sort of shown them the proof that it's not a first I, I don't person. think he registered. So I went away back and saw it up there. The same guy was buying the till, but his manager, the lady who I think you, you know who runs the store, she was um, very, very open. Very, yeah. very nice woman. Lovely. Yeah. And I... And I showed her then showed her on my phone showed this is what you think it is here's the picture of the back cover can you see the difference look for the barcode let me scan the code for you now scanned it into the discogs app and it returned one which had you know 15 quid or whatever and she's like oh yeah okay i'm going to take it down i'm going to give it back to our vinyl expert to reappraise it's fair enough that's what the first guy should have done he did look a bit flustered bless him when he saw it was me again and he realized that i'd already kind of said something okay so maybe it just slipped his mind yeah i'm, I mean, all, I'm always happy to I, give the benefit i have nothing but admiration for volunteers but it was just interesting that you know um that somebody could have ended up with something it really wasn't well i've, I've thought that often in, in charity shops and junk shops or any overpriced record shop it just break you know i think i'm you know a bit like prince andrew i'm basically I, i'm too honorable <laughs> and my my th- <laughs> My thing is, is he going to be the new David Bowie in Depeche Mode that every episode is yeah, going to have a mention? Um, yeah. That it just breaks my heart to think that someone will go into a shop, buy, you know, a, a, a scratched Beatles record for 40 quid thinking, well, that, that's, that, that must be the right price because it's whatever. And then, you know, give it to someone or have it for themselves and just later on discover that they've been completely ripped off. It's just such a horrible feeling. And I don't want the industry that I am in to do that yeah and i it's not like i run around charity shops doing this on a regular basis oh, i yes, just thought you do. i thought this was a an exceptional case and i and i felt compelled to at least say something i wasn't trying to be a dick you know no it just accidentally happened that you were being a dick little addendum offered a 30 quid for modern life is rubbish and she bit my hand off quite right absolutely because i think they had a lot of stuff on on that saturday when they put it all out and i think they sold a lot of it and i'm sure they made a, a really decent amount of money out of that collection so in a way that that blur thing was just kind of the arse end of it you know so yeah it's a it's a happy story in the end um yeah a little bit more housekeeping tim uh, a couple of episodes ago i mentioned that some listeners of the show were opening a record shop and uh, we were invited to the opening you were away in japan but we didn't have anything to do that saturday so we headed out to essex oh christ and we oh <laughs> you mean oh christ and we visited JJJ Vinyl. We met two of the loveliest guys and I did a little interview with them about why they'd open a shop and, and their kind of their, their ethos. And uh, we can listen to that now. Excellent. So we're in Essex today. We've got the We Buy Records uh, outside broadcast unit, which is a really hefty piece of kit. And we're at James and Joel's Job Lots, JJJ's. Uh, it's a new record shop in Loughton. It's located in the Sound Lab studios. Hi, Joel. Hey guys. Joe, what possessed you to open a record shop in this day and age? We just, like James and I, we just have an absolute love for vinyl. I think there's many reasons why the vinyl has such a hold over us and other people. We we accumulated a lot of records ourselves, as well as like inheriting our father's collections, and we just 
thought let's just sell some let's find some more sell them and and, and before you knew it we we opened actually a, a real shop I, I know you listen to our podcast on occasion and you must have heard tim talking about pricing and stuff so is your ethos that stuff is going to be absolutely priced correctly to shift yeah we we try and keep things a bit swift when things kind of come in we price them to sell anything that's under a, f- a few pound we just either put in our free box or one pound box and we just do interest in having like maybe 500 to a thousand great records that people want and people can engage with um and makes it all kind of worth our while kind of keeping this going and your opening hours you've got a kind of you know a bugbear of mine is that shops are always open while we're at work and so when you want to go and buy records you can't because they're closed what are you what are you doing so yeah we we're not open every day of the week but we're open a, a thursday through to sunday but we're open until 10 p.m. The idea being is that people can have a day's work, go home, have dinner, go and buy some records. You know, we're in a little tucked away location. We don't have like, we won't have like a load of footfall, but we just want the right people coming here, engaging, having a brew, listening to a record, and just having conversations about music, having conversations about vinyl. We're keen on having little events here, just having a celebration of vinyl records. Well, you've already given us a free cup of tea and you've got a lovely little social space here as well. So I can see, you know, people come in, have a little chat, buy some records. Actually, you've got a really, really great space here and I I urge people to come out and have a look. So I've been having a dig here at JJJ Records and I found a Fun Loving Criminals album, the one with Scooby Snacks on. Uh, I've got Barry Adamson remixed and an absolute cracker for Vinyl Santa, which I'm not going to mention. I'm here with James, who runs the shop with Joel. James, how did you get involved in this operation? Well, I think I can just blame Joel wholeheartedly, really. Joel's enthusiasm for vinyl is infectious. Um, It's brilliant. We've been long-time friends... We love the music. It's kind of rekindled my love of music as well. Being a music producer, I kind of uh, lost my way with music for a long time. The last year, rekindling with Joel, playing old dusty records, has, yeah, it's been great. They sound like a lovely couple of chaps. Really nice guys. And I bought some lovely, lovely bits. So if people want to visit their shop, and yes. if, if they Google... JJJ Vinyl. Yeah, they're on Google Maps now. They literally type that in, it'll come up. And, and they're, they're in Loughton in they're Essex. They're in Loughton in Essex, yeah. <laughs> Have we, have we had any listener emails, Tim? We've had a few, actually. Yeah, we've, so thank you. For, anyone who's emailed us, thank you. It's a bit more magical and exciting getting an email than getting a, a tweet, tweet, isn't it? Yes. Things get lost on Twitter as well. But... They really do. Steve Carr, at Every Record on Twitter. So he is on Twitter. I don't know why he emailed us, but he did. Uh, thank you very much, Steve. That's very kind. So we were talking about exotic records last time. And Steve Carr shares his thoughts regarding South American records. I was fortunate enough, Steve says, to visit Peru recently. In fact, I did see that because I follow him on Twitter. I actually saw some of his uh, pictures and his adventures. Wow. Well, the capital Lima, he says, has a number of record shops and also shops that are loaded with old hi-fi separates. Many of the records were UK or US pressings. But ones that he picked up were often from other countries in South America, Venezuela, Chile. So, not from Peru. Mm. So, I wonder if Peru never... See, that's interesting as well. There must be there must be a few countries out there that basically have never had a pressing plant. Yeah. There must be some countries where it is impossible to get a record from that country. Because they never made any. Never, and I wonder if Peru might be one it's of them. Entirely possible. Because we know that South Rhodesia isn't one of them. <laughs> we do. Thank you very much, Steve. We've got another listener letter here. 
from a friend of the show, Ian Walker, Fenland Gent on Twitter, Lovely who man. will be appearing in the Christmas special. That's all I'm going to say. His most exotic LPs are hooky Vietnamese bootlegs produced to sell to Yank and Aussie soldiers during the Vietnamese War. When they weren't killing Vietnamese people. Exactly. Buy our records, don't shoot us. Yeah. Um, he said he's, he's found a couple, a Hendrix and a Credence, misprinted wow. labels, sleeves that are just two pieces of cardboard in a plastic sleeve, bled out colours on the cover. Wow. Um, it goes on to say, because we talked about the most you've ever spent on a record, but we'll deal with that in more detail. But he said he spent £80 on a Noi album, um, which has a different cover and which I now think might be dodgy. <laughs> For £80, yeah. yeah. That's and it. his biggest miss, well, I saw him live tweeting this, because he now lives in Los Angeles, his local Chazza just had a grand reopening. He got there early. Place was heaving with middle-aged Mexican and Chinese ladies, none of whom gave a toss about the vinyl. There was loads of brilliant stuff, but it was cash only till, and the nearest ATM was no, miles away. No. He had $30, enough for six records. There were loads of Prince LPs, most looked mint, but whilst I like Prince, he's not on my strictly adhered to list of what I can buy. This means I didn't buy a mint copy of an original early pressing of Prince's first LP for $4. Oh my God. Nice one, Ian. Brilliant. If you could see Tim's face now. I was slightly scared that he was going to say that I didn't buy a copy of the Black Album by oh, Prince. Oh, yes, that would have been even that would have been hilarious. Because listeners that follow the podcast will know will know about that one. Oh, thank you, Ian. Thank if, you, Ian. If you, I think our listeners would like to see the Hooky Vietnamese Credence or Hendrix records. If you'd like to take a photo of either of them, and we can we can share it on our Twitter. But at least I want to see them. So I want do to it see for them. me. Paul News. It's a it's a double Paul Field news extravaganza this week. What are you going to start us off with? Occasionally, we've done this on the podcast where I've discovered that people are releasing what I think is toot on vinyl, and I try and get a reaction from you. Now, was it silenced? Was it was what was the meditation record? It was. It was nothing, wasn't it? Well, we've talked about a few nothing records because there was there's, there was the wit and wisdom of um, oh yes of uh, Donald Trump Donald Trump yep and then there was the oh god the crowdfunded one yes the meditation and I had all record that blurb and the idea was that you can provide your own yeah and it said you not you don't actually have to buy the record yeah in order to enjoy Do it ex- oh. yeah I remember that okay well Tim what about a vinyl LP of mechanical keyboard sounds. Yes, that looks incredible. I knew you'd say it. I knew you'd be excited for it. And I'm, I'm, there's me rolling my eyes out there. No, sockets. that looks brilliant. So, listeners, it's on Trunk Records. Paul's handed me the particulars, so you know it's going to be good. Catalogue number JBH084LP. And it is, as Paul says, an album of clacking mechanical keyboards. But what I just I'm struggling. Come on, help me, Tim. Why is this a good thing? Sell it to me. Um, I guess it's a combination of ASMR with fetishizing technology of the past, which for me is a is a double win. Are you familiar with ASMR? No, I thought that was a sex thing. <laughs> That's well, what it I was like. bordering on a sex thing. <laughs> Listeners, yay or nay, a vinyl LP of keyboard noises. It's got to be a yay. It's a yes from me. And I'm, it's a I'm no in. from me. 
Well done, Johnny Trunk. Another blinder. He previously had an album, Paul, which I believe was um, somebody reading out sexy letters to a porn star. See, I can, I can get behind that. I can get behind erotic albums. Fine. Who said that this isn't an erotic album? It could be. I mean, you know, whatever floats your boat. So we're collectors, Tim. Yes. Our listeners, they love collecting stuff too. Well, the Royal Mail have done a little bit of research and they've gone out and um, spoken to 2,000 adults who collect things. Turns out half of all Brits actually collect something. Okay. Yeah, I can I can go along with that. Their collections have an average spend of £1,232. A year? No, just in general, overall. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. And have a, a value now of £1,502. So they haven't, their collections haven't gone up that much in value. I mean, if you if you read between the lines there, doesn't that mean that probably about half the collections have gone down in value? I'm thinking Funko Pop toys. Yeah. And half of them have gone up slightly in value which averages out to overall going up i think most collections have probably gone down in value yeah i would think so here's a bit of fun though tim i've got the top 50 things what that do people collect that brits collect would you want to have a stab at what is at number one british people collecting things see in in the old days it would have been stamps and coins well that's number one and number two so stamps and coins yes thank you very much books is it not four so what's number three three is it records it's not records is number five okay um they tend to be trinkets you pick up on holiday for people like stupid little glass animals no they tend to stick to things they tend to stick to things. You stick them to something. Badges. No. Oh, my God. What sticks to... Fridge magnets. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, here's the rest of the list. So um, we've got things like postcards, badges, toys, magazines, football programmes. But then there's some really... I'm surprised to see marbles high at number 13. I thought marbles were kind of dead. No. Items from hotels. Ooh, bit sinister. What is that? Is that people oh, making it's robes? Little, and... It's and little soaps with the hotel name on, isn't it? Oh, really? It? Yeah. Some of the things way down the bottom. Things like train sets and Barbie dolls, which back in the day would have been much higher, I guess. But it was interesting. I just thought it was an interesting little glimpse into the world of collecting. So what's something I find interesting is um, comic books are way down at number 16. It's far lower down than records because we also sell comics in the shop mm-hmm. with my partner. Uh, do you know what? I, even though I know sell... you do that, do you never think of it? I don't think of them and I can't even visualise them unless I st- actually think about it. It's oh, you're like... very record focused. Yeah, you? it's weird, isn't it? But records outsell comics in the shop sort of, I don't know, 10 to 1. Yeah, so say, actually 10 that, to 1. That doesn't really surprise me. It's almost, it's nice to see comics in there at all, really. I know they'd be in there, but being in the top 15, is that's all right, isn't it? Well, we'll come back. I mean, maybe next year vinyl records, well, it's not going to overtake books, but it might overtake fridge magnets. So which of these outside records have you got a collection of, Paul? Um, number 17. Yes, you do. Cassette tapes. That's at 17. Cassette tapes. I know. How, how's that happened? Number 12. I've got quite a lot of football programmes and football memorabilia. I've got loads of books. So many books. I've got oh, a few comic books. Number 16, Use Johnny's. You've got quite a big collection. Loads. Of. Yes. There's a bit of a bit of fun there, Paul. Wait, let, let me let me just see if I've got any in here. Mm. We've got soft toys at number nine. 
What about non-soft toys? Barbie dolls and stuff. They're action oh, or figures. Or action figures. I don't know if I'd call them action figures. I've got lots of such things. I've got all, you know, like Moomin and Peanuts. And I've got, I've got some Kevin Smith in action figures. Yeah, that sounds about right. Do they come with a little plastic blunt? Uh, I'm not sure. So I've got like I've got like a little. They're set missing of them. out if they. Some if of them are black and white because they're from Clerks. The first one. So silly. Golf balls. I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you, Tim. So, Paul, you may remember last time I talked you through my experience of record shopping in Japan. You which did. Is where my other half, Susan, and I went a few weeks ago. Now, I've got a little follow-up. So what I didn't mention was that I went to a Discogs record fair in Japan. I, d- I saw a photo of you there that you posted. Yes, I was digging. So I've got a few scattershot thoughts about it, which I just thought might be interesting. They might not be. Are you going to be able to do a comparison with the Discogs in Brighton? A little bit. In- oh, good. A little bit. So you joined me, didn't you, for, yep. the, for the Brighton one? And how did we find it? Brilliant. Yeah, really Absolutely good. Absolutely brilliant. Huge, rammed, loads of sellers, loads of buyers. Yep, loads really of bargains. Good. So this one was in in Tokyo in a, a music venue called Zep Z E P P, which is a medium to large music venue. And later the same month, um, it was at home to Bob Dylan, who I think was playing about fifteen nights in a row. So rather than playing in a Norma Dome, which I think is I I really like this by the way, big artists booking out a venue and playing it for two weeks. Tickets for Madonna. What is that? How she's done it? Yeah, brilliant. So you play, so it's, I played him, isn't it? Isn't it like two thousand? There you go. So you get stupid. to see her in a venue which yeah. is like twenty times smaller than it than she could play. Yeah, fantastic. So I'm a big fan of that. Anyway, we spent about eighty five quid, possibly less than you might think. Yep. Um, and filled a record bag, like a sort of a DJ bag on wheels, which is very useful to have it on wheels. In fact, that bag cost me more than we spent there. Um. But almost everything we bought was just from one stall. And he gave us a small discount Whoa. and we hadn't even asked for one. So something was going on there. Maybe because... that was, it's expected at Discogs because the Discogs site does have people offering discounts all the time. I think five. he added it up wrong. Oh. <laughs> That's my pet theory is that he had it up wrong. Um, there was a Discogs stall there and they had lots of merch and we picked up a tote, couple of tote bags and some um, patches and sticks and stuff which is very nice they seem very friendly um, there were very very few vendors about 15 okay which is not many is it and most of them seemed to be pre-existing record shops that had gone to have a presence at the at the fair so there was still a lot of that in Brighton. To see, was there? Hmm, definitely. And kind of, there was some online, what I would call volume sellers there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's a similar kind yeah. of thing then. I just, I did, in some cases, I thought, well, this seems like the kind of stock from the labels and stuff. This was what would be in your physical shop. I, I'm did not quite sure how much I saw the point. Um, it was mostly quite overpriced. Ah, and the first store we went to was by far the best one. So you can imagine our expectations were oh, sky high. I hate you when that happens. I mean, my God, it was good. It was good. So everything in this first stall, he had about 20 boxes, no, 30, 40 boxes, because they were all on the floor and on a table, or two tables, um, two big tables, three tables. I'll, I'll carry on. Um, 
every record that he had was either 500 yen which is three pound fifty 300 yen which is two quid or 100 yen which is 70p everything he had and were there Japanese pressings in there? Yes. With the obi and stuff? Yes. Wow. So there was quite a lot of pressings without the obi, but yes, there were lovely near-mint Japanese pressings of stuff with the obi, and they were 300 or 500 yen. That's really good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I no know. No wonder he spent so much money. And also, interestingly, his stall felt like the least slick operation. Yeah. Which I thought was quite telling, sort of telling. Yeah. It was really, really poorly attended. Oh no! It was it was night and day basically compared to the Brighton one. Um, there were hardly any buyers, basically. And good was, for you. And it was a, yeah, it was quite good for us. There was a DJ pumping out incredibly loud hip hop music to an audience <laughs> of nobody, which was quite quite weird. Now, my biggest gripe about the event, and I wonder if any listeners have had an experience with this, is you had to use a special app called Ptix. P e a t i x which was an app you download onto your phone and you'd log, create an account and log into it to get a free ticket to get in and you can't get in without a ticket. Now, this app basically harvests your data and you can't opt out of that. Oh. If you're like, no, I don't give you consent, I opt out, they basically go, oh, so you want to delete the app then, fine, bye. Yeah, but they don't have GDPR and things like that in Japan, I guess. I think I've seen, uh, so well, huh, I went on the App Store, and listeners who are bored might like to find P-E-A-T-I-X on their App Store of choice and read the reviews, because everyone from every country in the world who's used it is furious and scathing about this fucking app and how it is just an an excuse for for data harvesting. It's very, very funny. Uh, But, you know, it wasn't funny at the time. And as soon as we got in... Basically, within a few minutes of getting into the place, I went back onto my phone and uninstalled the app. So, Paul, we got in for free. Free event. All you've got to do is get a get a ticket on this app and you get in for free. Not so, in fact. Ah. When you get there, you have to pay 600 yen each to buy a drink token, which you can then exchange for a small half of lager. So that's about four pound, four pound fifty. And you couldn't get in without buying a drink token. They didn't laugh. For more than the drink that you're going to exchange it for. I, I actually spoke to a Japanese friend about this and she explained that um, it's it's basically like a little courtesy charge. So in Japan, they don't do tipping. I mean, at all, literally even the most touristy places in Japan will not tip. There is no tipping in Japan. But what they do do is spurious cover charges. So I, I remember, in fact, I've been to gigs where you have to pay sort of 30 quid to get in to a little crappy gig. And about seven quid of that is a drink token, which you can use to exchange for a small bottle of beer. But overall, the event was worthwhile. Only because of one stall. If that one stall hadn't been there, it would not have been worthwhile. It would not have been worth travelling an hour across Tokyo, being forced to pay uh, a total of about a tenner for two small halves. No. But thanks to this one dude who I wish I'd remembered, I wish I'd written down the name of his stall because then I would have given him you know, a shout out because his stuff was really good and the, and the prices were amazing. But in general, Brighton, much better. So you can keep your, keep your Japan... No, you can't. 
I also went to a, not a record fair, but I went to the independent label market this year. In London? In London, in Cold Drops Yard. So we had labels like kind of Bella Union were there. Um, I saw One Little Indian were there. Um, Creation Records, Play It Again, Sam. Uh, Mute Records were there. Our favourites. There were so many labels there. It was really big. Were there many punters? Quite a lot, yeah. I mean, we didn't get there till the afternoon. It was complicated because we were seeing a mute artist that evening. But equally, we, we didn't want to miss out on all the good stuff. But I just didn't but fancy... you didn't want to get there for 9am well, and then the have to wait around till for the gig in the evening. Yeah, like 10 mm. hours of hanging around. So we just had to sacrifice being there early, maybe missing out on some of the better stuff. But when we were there, we were really fortunate enough that Paul from you had a little chat with us and um, gave us an interview about their experience at the market, how their year's been and some exclusive news for 2020. Oh. So we're here with Paul A. Taylor from Mute Records. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? Great. Been having a look around the market. It's great to see so many labels here, so many people here buying records. Yeah, it's good. How's the market been for you today? Yeah, really good. I mean, we didn't do it last year, so it's really nice to be back. Um, we had what usually happens is a little queue at the beginning uh, and a rush for the first couple of hours, and then it's been just a quite constant since then. What was the most sort of most popular item flying out? With the, with the flippers after anything in particular? Mm, not really. It's kind of because we always try and do a variety so that we're not focusing particularly on one thing to try and avoid flippers as much as we can and try and give a variety that caters for the mute fan. Um, so it's not really... We always try very much to try and not be too obvious for people to come and do something so they're speculating. So as people try and target the people, that's why we always do it a little bit late in terms of announcing as well, to try and get it so that it's targeted to the mute fans, they can come along and they can get what they want, which I feel has been quite successful this time. It was really great to see, even though it's sort of a little bit later on in the afternoon by the time I arrived, there was still really good stuff there were loads of test pressing still but you're right it wasn't a lot of obvious kind of all oh, erasure gold frap stuff that's going to go straight onto yeah. marketplaces and be sold do you ever do you i mean do you ever look after the market and see what's out there because i have and i've seen in the past your stuff on there you know two three hundred pounds a pop yeah i mean when we do it becomes quite disheartening because it's like it's not why we do it but there is also the other thing of Hopefully people don't buy them at that price, but the people who did get them who were genuine fans can say maybe it's kind of worth something, and it's like, you know, they get a joy out of that as part of their collection. But it is always frustrating. It's part of why we really, really have a, I was going to say dislike, but I want to, don't want to, don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't dislike because the idea is good of Record Store Day, but we have an issue with it in terms of the amount of people who will go there and buy things to just literally put on eBay straight afterwards, and it just feels like it's not for the fans, you know. Well, I don't know, you may not have heard the, when we covered Record Store Day last year after the event, um, there was a, there's an episode about it on We Buy Records, and effectively, when we got to our usual place there were uh, a small gang of flippers who bought several thousand pounds worth of items each and two 
took all the stock away from all the locals. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's just what we hate, you know. It's and it's record store day should should be better at being able to deal with that. I mean, it's what I like about this, and what what Mew likes about this is it's it's not this huge build up of this edition is going to be here, that edition is going to be there. It's just the labels coming along with their stuff. So. T- 2019, I know the music business is tough out there now. Paint a little picture for how Mute have got on in 2019, if you don't mind. Artistically, very well. I think we've put out some great stuff. Daniel's vision carries on of just wanting to put out really interesting music. Working with Kareen has been amazing. Uh, having just signed High, very, very exciting artist. I just I wanted to ask you that, because that's one of the artists I am most excited about for next year, but I didn't know how to pronounce her name. She's going to start work on her album next year we're not sure when it's going to come out but it's working with her from right from the beginning you know she's a very embracing artist in wanting to work together with the label which is exciting um, we just kind of don't know which way it's going to go artistically which is exciting for her exciting for us and yeah let's go you know. looking looking forward to 2020 I want to finish on a high what are you what are you looking forward to most in 2020 what's what's the any big any exclusives you can give us the new Daniel Blumberg album is amazing a couple of guys who everybody knows will be back with a new album we've just signed the catalogue for the wonderful Telex so we'll be starting work on a reach campaign for them there's a new album from Certain Ratio towards the end of the year new album from Cabaret Voltaire at some time next year there'll be some more pop group stuff not sure exactly what but we're looking to see what uh, Mr. Bavel can do with his dub masterclasses. It sounds like a really exciting year ahead. Thank you so much for your time today. Listen, next time this comes around, you should definitely come here because one thing I can tell you, Paul, about our listeners is that they do buy a lot of records. It's great. It's lovely. We love what you do. Keep up the good work. It's always great seeing you at Record Fairs. When the first time we just bumped into you in Brighton, which was great. People being enthusiastic about music who aren't doing it just to sort of like make a book on eBay or whatever it's people who love music and love love the art of it so yeah thank you thank you so much to paul from mute for stopping to chat to us what an absolute legend you know such a nice guy so warm so friendly and they're bringing telex to mute they are that's great they'll finally get the props they deserve i'm I'm most excited about the high i really want i mean the single is out at the moment but only digitally the 12 inch which I'm holding out for, doesn't land until February. Oh, blimey. Yeah, it's and quite a long... And that's spelled H-A-A-I, I think that's how you spell it. And she's going to be the hot new ticket. Yes, absolutely. There was a little follow-up. I know Paul talked to us about how, you know, their dislike of flippers. And, um, and literally today, I happened to look uh, in my email and I had various emails from eBay because I've got an alert set up for mute test pressing. Yeah, of course you do. Goldfrap. Silver Eye, now for sale on eBay for 150 quid. Can, the singles, now for sale for £300. And how much would they have been on the day? 15, 20 pounds, I imagine. Fad Gadget, they want an opening bid of £60. Eesh. Erasure, £200. Um, wow. To be fair, I sent these to me. I said, you know, I kind of knew this was was going to happen. And um, yeah, they just seemed, you know, a little bit annoyed because he said they, they 
are trying to do stuff to kind of reward their fans, the people who support them all year, you know, the guys who are, who are buying, you know, obscure kind of Ben Frost 12 inches and stuff like this. And then you go along on, on that day and you'll be able to, You'll be able to pick up some, you know, some some of their more marquee artists' goodies. But equally, they can't stop or know who these people are who were just going there. And, you know, these are professional. Yeah, I reckon you can, you can, I reckon you know. Do you think so? Yeah. If they look like a. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? If, it, if they just look like the type, you can say, I'm really sorry, sir. You look like the type. I'm afraid you can't have this erasure test pressing. I mean, the music industry in general... Is or just... get them to answer a quiz about erasure. That's that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. answer a quiz? That's well, I mean, to it. be fair to me, they've actually said, you know, maybe slightly tongue-in-cheek, that next year they're thinking of, you know, having a, a price for, for mute fans that they kind of know and then hugely inflated prices for everyone else. I don't know. You would, you yeah, would, I, I, I would it, say do it, yeah. but then they don't know me. If I happen to go along, yeah, I know I would be facing the, the yeah, I know it's, it's, it's so difficult. And I, and quiz, I, I, we, I love a quiz. You love a quiz. I, I, and I, Erasure you know, quiz. The, the guys at me were so humble and kind and they just they really wanted to get these releases into the hands of fans they priced them to get them into the hands of fans yeah exactly you know for five or a ten or 15 quid so it's such a shame when people go along and and abuse that and it's not going to change anytime soon no i don't know what the answer is i really i really don't it's you know anything where you know demand outstrips supply and especially when you have these really tiny markets where there isn't a real way to establish what a price is it happens at record store day it happens with gig tickets you know yeah. and, and now it's it's the same problem at the indie label market paul you, you've brought a brown paper bag with you well did i thought i'd show you some of the things because normally we just with talk records about records i'm going to yes. show you them Ooh. so and they've got the prices on from the market it makes great radio it does five pound on the mute stand plastic man double oh, pack nice. of oh, club wow. mixes so that, that, Unplayed that, brand that's, new test pressing. That's two pound fifty a disc. That's great, isn't it? It's ridiculous. That's nice. One of the Maps albums, which was never on vinyl originally, uh, we can create. Oh my god! For fifteen quid, double vinyl test pressing for fifteen pounds. Incredible. This, this though, a Silicon Teens music for parties test pressing signed by Daniel Miller. Oh my! For fifteen pounds, it's incredible, isn't it? They had so much good stuff. That's just bonkers. I, I'm confession, and I, because of I was going to see that band in the evening, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to get there first thing in the morning. That and that only that item they did save that one copy for me. They won't don't normally do that. It was just it was a real exceptional weird set that I was going to go and see a mute band in the evening. I think that really, seems fair enough, doesn't it? Yeah, and it was, and it was really really kind of them. So, um, but also we're going to have a competition. The Maps album. Colours reflect time and lost, signed by Maps on a beautiful white vinyl. It's probably his most ambitious project to date. It's beautiful, ethereal, orchestral electronica. Wow! Um, it's it's he's got a real drummer in this time. It sounds amazing because I've not listened to this yet. Critically so acclaimed, absolutely. It yeah, one of, one of my favourite albums of of the year. And and it couldn't be easier to enter, could it, Paul? No, we're going to put a picture of the album on Twitter. You just need to retweet that to be entered or drop us an email with your name and address with the subject line maps to... We buy records pod 
at gmail.com. That's webuyrecordspod at gmail.com, subject line maps, and just put your name and address. All the names and everything will go into a hat, and one lucky winner will win that album. So that, or follow us on Twitter if you're not already, and it'll be on there as well. And we'll amalgamate all the entries, and someone will win. There's more, Tim. It's a bit like Christmas already, except I'm not getting anything. What's that? Oh, it's a Fortran 5 record. So in the evening, I went along to see the guys from Computer, Fortran 5, I Start Counting, you know, real musical heroes of mine, and they they didn't disappoint. Uh, They were absolutely brilliant live. They performed some of their old tracks, and it was just magical. I got to meet them, I got to have a picture with them, and they signed one of those fancy German coloured vinyl oh, records. Oh, fantastic. It's a beautiful marbled vinyl and a really obscure German test, test pressing, pressing of their album. Yeah. I just wanted to pick out a couple of kind of oddities I'm from I'm sure my you've collection. got more test pressings than anybody else at this point. <laughs> Half your records seem to be fucking test They're just pressings. nice items to they have because nice. they are, you know, they're, they're rare. They're, you know, there's only three or four of them probably around. They'd never seen one before. Not from oh, that really? no, not from Germany. Oh, fantastic. That was good. It was a really you had a good weekend, didn't you? Oh, it was you? a great weekend. I got to, to, to hang out with the guys from Mew, got to interview Paul, got to meet a couple of musical legends, and then got to see them perform some of my favourite tracks live. Oh. Paul, let's have a chat about what I have decided to call Sofa Superstore Syndrome. Right, go on. I did that because they're all S's. Mm-hmm. In the good old days, once an album had recouped its money for the label, yep. right, they could reissue it either because there was a bit of demand or because they could put it out on a budget label. Mid-price. Like mid-price, so nice price, fame, um, RCA International. Or sometimes it would just get a reissue, you know, and, and on Discogs you'd figure out, ah, it's that because it's got a it's got a, a red label and not an orange label, so it's this it's the second third pressing. Typically in the eighties, there were they, they, you get those. There were five ninety nine. There was that bin, you know, four ninety nine. There were a fiver basically. Yeah. So you would you would expect the reissue of a popular album which has sold loads to be cheaper than the original. Yes. Because they're not they haven't got to pay that, you know the million pounds it costs in the studio to do it and to pay the artists and stuff you know anyway right okay so why is it that now in the main if an album is still sought after and is still a popular artist so Fleetwood Mac Nirvana Kate Bush Pink Floyd Queen Mr David Bowie the prices are comparable to new releases or often higher that is a really good question. Surely the label has already recouped its money 35, 40, 45 years ago. Is it sometimes, though, it's the artists themselves who maybe have got the rights back, maybe struggling a little bit financially? Well, so the reason, so this is the, this is. Oh, part, you know the well, reason. Well, no, but this is part two is going to make, this is going to make your nipples spin. Okay. I raise this because we've just had Black Friday, which doesn't exist, but we've had it in this country come sale time so black friday um the big summer sale boxing day sales there'll be say four of them in a year in somewhere like hmv or one of the big online retailers like the sound of vinyl or something those same albums are 9.99 12.99 15 quid two for 25 quid for queen for kate bush for, for bowie for fleetwood mac the same albums the same pressings 
I appreciate that it's a complicated issue because actually those prices are equally set by the distributor and by the label. But the same thing occurs to me that occurred to a lot of people about sofa shops and, and carpet shops and curtain shops. Curtain shops? All right. Haberdasheries? All right, no, all right. So the same thing occurred to me as occurs to many people about sofa shops, which is how can it be that this sofa, which which for the rest of the year costs £2 million, in the sales is just three nine nine ninety nine? Mm. It's because that's the price that it should be all the time. Right. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying is if as a label you can afford to make Queen 2 999 in the sales, why exactly is it that you can't afford to do that all the time? That is a good question. Um, An economist will will tell us why they can't. True. I mean, there's also the element of the, the, the shops, you know, the retailers need to make their margin for the rest of the year. It's a tricky one. But they probably sell far more in the sale. If people just come in and buy Beastie Boys for eleven ninety nine. But then you've got then you've got footfall that may buy other stuff as well. It's it's a calculated Lost leaders exactly. I, but I bet they're not losing anything. I don't I know. They're losing know. anything, but they you know it's it's getting footfall through the door. If you think you get one hundred people through the door to buy a cheap album. How many of that 100 will also buy something else? Because they feel that they're saving money on that record. Yep, it's, it's near to Christmas. So they could think, oh, I've saved, you know, a fiver on a David Bowie reissue. However, they then spend another 60, 70 pounds on other items. There's another point as well, which has just occurred to me, which is that in the olden days, sales tended to be clearing dead stock. Yeah. Now, sales in places like... HMV are 100% stock that has been brought in for the sale. 100%. Yeah. If, if you're lucky, you'll get like a table of DVD box sets which are slashed in price and I, I, they will be clearing dead stock. But that's not what sales are anymore, which which further actually proves my point that it's not it's not stock that they want to try and shift. They are bought, they've bought in 50,000 copies of Fleetwood Mac Rumours at this price point to sell at that price point. So and they've that, done a specific deal for that specific window of abs- time. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's it makes what sense. Done. So why... What, it's this thing of like, okay, for, you know, the, there's 52 weeks in the year. For 48 of those weeks, rumours is twenty four ninety nine, But for four of those weeks, it's nine ninety nine. If only we knew someone who had a shop who could uh, <laughs> shed some light on this. <laughs> You have, you have your if sale. Anyone's, well, if it, yeah, and and in those sales, 100% of the time, we slash stuff that hasn't sold yes. to put it out at a, a city low price okay. and it goes. And my question is, when customers come in for that sale, I'm sure I've been to one of your sales, I must have been. Oh, yeah, they do buy other stuff do as they, well. Yes. But... Uh, Getting them in the door, you see. Not yeah. everyone, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, some yeah. of them. See? And I did economics at college. <laughs> It would be great if we have any listeners that um, that have worked in an HMV what we or, need, or equivalent. Yeah, shop. Is, a, is a retail economist yeah. to to give us the, the the full lowdown on this for free. For free, yeah, that would be great. Tim, it's time for the quiz. All right. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this week's quiz, Tim, something you said in a quiz, I think a couple of episodes back, I like to think I know my onions, you said to me. I didn't, did I? You did. That doesn't sound like me. Yeah, you did. And that's kind of resonated with me. And I stumbled on a quiz which announces 10 super tough music trivia questions (laughs) that will stump hardcore music fans. Well, I won't get any of these. Well, you may not get any of these. I'm just going to put it out there. To give what we want the listeners to do is to play along as well. Tim's going to write his answers down so you get a little bit of thinking time. You can't hear his answers until the end. Got your pen there, Tim? Yep, it's all ready. Are you, there's 10 well, questions. On, wait, no, so this pen has got black, red, pink, orange, green and blue. I am going to go orange. Almost as exciting as the listener's response to our shopping intro the other week. <laughs> what, seeing I how... can't read that. You need to do it in a black, oh. bloody dark oh, colour. Right, okay, I'm, doing, I'm black. I've gone black. Here we go. Right. Name the song and band that was the first music video played on MTV on the 1st of August, 1981. I'm expecting you to get none, by the way. So that's your... Question number two. Name the album that was first CD pressed in the United States. So, so far I've written the same thing for one and two. two. I might just write the same thing for all of them. What was the la- number question number three? What was the last US number one hit by a Beatle? That's a good question. Mm. Number one hit by a Beatle. Yeah, what was the last US number one hit by a Beatle? I think the wording is the the clue. Okay. Number four. What was the first band to have an album advertised on a billboard? I mean, who's no one's going to know that. Question number five. Name the first artist to release an album exclusively on the internet. Question number six. What was the first rock and roll song to sell over one million copies? Great radio. Question number seven. Name the only recording artist in history to have a number one album in each of six consecutive decades. Okay. Question number eight. Name the only rock and roll song to reach US number one twice. Question number nine. Name the band from a major recording label that has had the same original lineup of members for over 40 years. Are they still going? Have you heard of them? Uh, <laughs> that's a really good... <laughs> I bet you haven't heard of them if you... Yes, I think they are still going. And you've heard of them? I've heard of them, yeah. If they're technically still going, I'm going to get up. Well, I've, I've done an educated guess for that one. And last one, question number 10. What is the most downloaded song recorded in the 20th century? Right, are you ready, Tim? No. No, I, I suspect all of these are wrong. Okay. And I haven't, I've just come trying to think of something to write down for number 10. I'm going to go... No. Can I have a clue for that one, please? Um, I think I deserve one clue. Yeah, you... Oh, I don't. I wouldn't even know how to give you a clue. The, it's the band... It's, it's, a, uh, the, the it's a band. It's a band. Do you know what country they're from? I think they're American. It's one word. And it's a real cheesy rock song. But even with that, you're never going to get it. Right, here we go. Right, so, t- Tim... Answer for question one. Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. No, 
It was Video Killed the Radio Star by Buggles. Answer for question two. Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. Nope. It was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. What have you got for number three? John Lennon Imagine. Nope. I've got my mind set on you by George Harrison. Ah, fuck. What have you got for number four? ACDC. No, it was The Doors. Uh, Number five. They Might Be Giants. Prince. Number six. Rock Around the Clock. No, The Fat Man by Fats Domino. Number seven. Cliff Richard. Barbara Streisand. (laughs) <laughs> number eight my dingaling no the twist by chubby checker number nine abba zz top and number 10 nickelback don't stop believing by journey yes so how many did i get out of 10 none but it is listed as the hardest music quiz around but not it isn't important it's not like who was lamal's roadie in 1983 oh it was um johnny fingers <laughs> mcgee i just i just wanted to kind of bring you down a peg i mean Next i, I mean you i wasn't you know i wasn't onions, I, I really wasn't up a peg but i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate the lesson that you've taught me paul None. Wow. Listeners, I, let us know how many you got. If anyone got all and 10... And Paul, when you were looking, how many did you get when None. you found this quiz? Yeah, of course not. None at all. But then you never claimed to know no, any onions. No, I claim the opposite. I claim to have no Zero knowledge Zero onion knowledge. My onion yeah. knowledge is... It's poor, isn't it, your onion? Very, yeah, very poor. It's been exposed on this podcast as being appalling. So I did cockily think I was going to get about four of those right. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you genuinely thought you had four right answers? Um, no, in, in the crunch, I think I thought I had... Going into it, I think I thought I would get about four right. Oh, okay. And then actually, I I thought I was right with Abba. Mm-hmm. And I think I thought I was right with Cliff. Oh. And I think I thought I was right with They Might Be Giants. It was fiendishly difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was difficult. But, you look really annoyed aren't, now. But aren't, aren't Abba technically still going? Have they been going for that long, though? Is it not like 38 years or something? Well, they they formed in about 68. Oh, well, then maybe. Maybe it's within a, like within a month of ZZ Top. Something was happening across the across the ocean that who, who it was knows? a fertile period. It, it, was, it was just a bit of fun. It wasn't that fun. Well, it was for me because oh, I got right. to see you. I just got to tell you every single answer was incorrect. I'd be really, really happy if listeners got some of them. Right. Oh, I'd be made up. That's why we gave. The, that's why we waited to the end to give the answers. So I'm hoping that little gap in time gave them the do chance you know, to get. Do them you know, what I was about to do then. I was about just in my excitement. I was about to offer a spot prize <gasps> to the listener who has got the most right. But then, Paul, I realised you can lie. And you can say that you got as many right as you wish. So then I realised that competition uh, would not work. No, it would not work. But the feeling was there in my heart. And that's that's the main thing, I think. So uh, next time, Tim. Yes. Um, we... I'm going to do a shitty quiz for you next time. Yes, absolutely. Please do. We've also got our listeners brilliant because we are going to be revealing our favourite album of the year uh, on our friend's podcast, sister podcast on the We Made This Network, Pick a Disc. So we'll let you know when that's out. But we asked you guys online to send us in your albums of the year and we will be going through those in the next episode. There'll be Christmas albums. There'll be loads of surprises, which we haven't thought of yet, but I'm sure they Well, Paul, how about this? Go on. You know, like at the last day of term, you can bring in games. Yep. You get to kind of, the kids get to set the rules, yep. right? If there's anything that listeners really want us to talk about. Oh, 100%. As a fun Christmas treat. Yep. 
ping us an email, webuyrecordspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at webuyrecordspod and let us know if there's any thorny musical subjects that you want us to talk about. Perfect. Join us next time on We Buy Records. Records.